Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to The Lending Bean, a fresh new talk show by Findu, centered around the theme of effortless lending. We're glad you decided to join us. In this episode of our podcast, I'm going to have a lively discussion with Rens van Tilburg and Sander Koyman, two experts on the subject of sustainable finance. We'll take a deep dive into subjects such as greenwashing, banks' transition plans, and the devil's dilemma that is data. This show is being recorded from beach on the Dutch west coast. You might even hear in the background a sort of whistling noise. That is the wind. We're not on the sand outside. We're in the cozy confines of the Aloha Beach restaurant, looking out over what today is a sunny, beautiful day, actually, but quite fresh. This is the Lending Beam. Hello. My name's Mike Cooper, and I'm your host for this podcast today, and I'm very pleased to be joined by two superlative guests, Rens von Tilburg and Sander Koyman. Rens von Tilburg has been director of the academic think tank Sustainable Finance Lab, SFL, at Utrecht University in the Netherlands since 2012. He is also a member of several advisory bodies, including the European Banking Authority, the Dutch Socio-Economic Council, SER, and the Dutch Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy. In fact, Considering what is likely his insane diary, it is perhaps nothing short of a miracle that he is here with us today. Welcome, Rents. Um, my second guest is no less auspicious. Sander Koyman is responsible for impact management, as well as being manager of both the healthcare and the sustainable real estate credit teams at Triodos Bank, which is based in the Netherlands and is one of the world's most sustainable financial institutions. Triodos was winner of both the best ethical finance provider and the Best Investments Provider Awards at the British Banking Awards in 2022. Sander himself graduated from both his bachelor's degree in psychology and his master's in entrepreneurship and business administration, cum laude, which is actually, as we know, Latin for holy moly. Uh, now, before we dive into the, into the world of sustainable finance, here's a fun fact. Uh, the bean in Lending Bean refers to the fact that each episode of this podcast is being recorded from this beach-sized restaurant, which happens to serve excellent coffee and tea. So I'd like to begin with an off-topic subject. What are both your coffee and tea habits? Sander, are you a coffee or a tea person? Definitely a coffee guy. Ah, a coffee guy. And how do you like to drink your coffee? Black and strong, please. Uh, black Especially and strong. in the morning. Uh, excellent. And how about you, Rens? Coffee or tea? Uh, I'm more of a tea person, actually. Ah, great. And what type of tea? Uh, well, I take uh, almost all teas, but uh, if possible, something with ginger, lemon, that would be my favorite. Ah, uh, spicy tang. Exactly. Excellent. Well, thank you very much both for those warm beverage insights. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty of the show. I'd like to start with you first, Sander. You could say Triodos is a front-runner. In fact, you could say that Triodos was involved in sustainable finance before sustainable finance even existed. Um, Could you perhaps sketch the path which the bank has taken up until now and put that in the context of, of what sustainable finance means to you? Uh, So Triodos is a Dutch bank which was founded in 1980 and it's basically founded on the idea that money is not a goal in itself but it's a means to an end. It's a means to deliver positive change in society in the broadest sense. It's about the conscious use of money for making the world a better place. Which is, in 1980, a crazy idea, I imagine. Yes, it was. (laughs) And somehow it caught on. 
especially the, did, the, 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 the last few years, I would say. Well, I joined about eight and a half years ago, and I have, a, well, as you said, a history in psychology and business administration, healthcare, also music, but I never intended to work at a bank, and still it happened to me. And That's it, bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, interesting. And it happened because of that whole way of thinking that Triodos has, like, money is there to create positive impact or change in the, in the world. And that resonated with me and it resonates with each and every colleague I have. Right. Rens, if I could turn to you. The Sustainable Finance Lab was set up in 2010 and your organization approaches sustainable finance from a little bit of a different angle than Triodos, I gather. Um, what's the situation back then and what is it today? And, and, and what's your personal sustainable finance mission? Yeah, well, maybe a, a full disclosure on Sustainable Finance Lab. Uh, when we started uh, around 2010, uh, Triodos Bank was actually one of the uh, uh, founding members, so to say. Uh, and the then CEO is also still a member of Sustainable Finance uh, Lab. Um, but I think for Triodos, it was also interesting to start a Sustainable Finance Lab, bringing together um, mostly professors from different universities in the Netherlands, uh, who are all having... Uh, well, ideas, views on how the financial sector needed to change after 2008, um, because we were actually uh, addressing the mainstream finance uh, part, so the, right. the big banks, uh, the pension funds, the insurance companies. Who at that time, I assume, did not even really think about sustainability, or is that an exaggeration? Uh, I, I would say it's not an exaggeration. So they all had a little bit, little sustainability department somewhere. Uh, one but, guy but, but or lady, I would imagine. Exactly, and the CEO not really knowing what that one guy or lady was exactly doing, uh, and that didn't matter uh, at all. Uh, so when we started, at bringing these two words, sustainable and finance, together was really sort of like, uh, well, a, a strange thing. Um, and uh, all the uh, board members of the big financial institutions, they also explained to me at that time, like we are, I'm very sustainable, huh? so at home I use LED lighting, but of course now you're talking to me as a banker, and of course there's nothing I can do with sustainability, <laughs> but things have indeed progressed very quickly, uh, especially over the last, I would say, five to seven years. Uh, and now sustainable finance is, well, all the hype, so to say, and there's not one financial institution, at least not in the Netherlands, uh, that does not have a very, uh, well, serious sustainable finance plan. Right. Uh, nevertheless, and we'll get into uh, the details of that, there is still a lot of question marks and uh, on how to actually really uh, be sustainable as a financial institution. Yeah, because I believe that in those earlier days, and perhaps still today as well, um, sustainability, or at least climate in itself, is seen as a risk at financial institutions rather than a, a positive journey, Absolutely. it's seen as like something which could become a problem and yeah. therefore a financial problem. Is that something you're involved with? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's how we actually started to bring in sustainability to the to the board level, so to say, of the financial institutions. Because if there's one thing that the CEO of a bank uh, does feel that he is responsible for, it's the risk management. Um, and it was around 2014 that we published our first reports on how climate actually is a, a real financial risk, uh, a risk that needs to be managed, just like any other risk. Yeah. Um, and 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 that thinking has really taken off. Um, has so that's something that, uh, well, uh, I think already two years ago, the European Central Bank, they published 
is their, their, their supervisory expectations on the managing of climate and other environmental risks. Right. And so that, that is by now really mainstream. Um, and I think the, the, the next uh, thing on the table is um, how to actually make a really a positive impact on the world itself. Right, which, which is perhaps more the Triodos way uh, of thinking, which is now becoming more mainstream. Would you, would you agree, Sander? Yes, uh, I would. I recognize uh, more and more also in regulation that uh, looking at sustainability requires not only looking at sustainability risk, but also looking at what is this project that you're financing contributing in a positive sense, and is it uh, at the same time doing harm in, uh, in some sense? Because it's not only about financing things that are good, making those choices, it's also the choices in what are you not financing. Right. Uh, that is uh, just as hard of a choice. Which make. is all to do with, you know, the wider business of the bank in terms of the whole portfolio and all the, uh, and all the bank's clients. Yes, it is. Which yeah. is incredibly complex. Yes. And at the same time, complexity is our middle name at Triodos, <laughs> I think. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, because I see a lot of focus on, and understandably so, on climate and on CO2-related issues. And from where we come from, it's yeah. more about quality of life. So right. there's a strong social component also to how we view the world. Yeah. And all those things are interconnected. That view is still pretty unique, if you ask me. Do you see that, Rents, as well in your business? In that, that there is still this kind of philosophical gap between uh, the world of Triodos and the world of uh, traditional finance? Yes, there is definitely that, that gap. Uh, and at the same time, I think uh, the mainstream financial institutions are actually quite quickly um, a triodosizing. So it started with climate, and climate in a sense is sort of like a, a, a not that complex of, a, of, an, of an issue, because hey? it's, it's about CO2 emissions, you can measure those. Uh, hey, it's, it's one indicator that you to look at. Uh, but actually, at the moment, uh, um, uh, everybody's also talking about biodiversity now. Right. Because uh, we don't only have a Paris uh, agreement, but we now also have a, a global uh, agreement on biodiversity, uh, which states also all kinds of like uh, indicators that we need to be uh, meeting. Yeah. Um, uh, and and uh, I think that had, and, and there's all kinds of uh, interactions between climate change and biodiversity. Um, so whether you like it or not, and a lot of people, and I understand, they don't like it because it brings in a lot of complexity. Biodiversity in itself is a much more complex theme than, yeah. uh, than climate, but it has all these interactions uh, between them as well. Uh, just to, to give one example, um, uh, around climate, uh, there is the idea of uh, uh, carbon offsetting projects. That is something that is, that, that is expected to, to start happening at a really big scale in the coming years. Uh, but that will have huge impact on biodiversity. It can have huge positive impacts on biodiversity if you do it well. But unfortunately, what we see now is that often it has a very bad uh, uh, influence on biodiversity. Oh, that's, so that's the two uh, elements clashing then? The, well, they could be clashing, but they could definitely also uh, uh, build upon each other. Uh, so, it, it actually, it's, you cannot solve the biodiversity crisis without solving the climate crisis and vice versa. Uh, so, so, you need to look that in a holistic perspective. Uh, right. and, and then uh, what Sander was saying, there's the social aspect as well. 
Um, hey, and that's also, uh, if, if we talk about climate change and, and, and climate mitigation, uh, we have seen what happens if you don't take the social aspect into consideration there. Hey, like a few years ago in France with the yellow vests. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually something also in the Netherlands and actually everywhere. There are these big justice uh, questions. And if you don't address them well, uh, you will not be able to uh, limit climate change either. Do you gents think that this is this could be a generational issue in the sense of the the established um, heads of traditional financial institutions are of a certain age and do they need to uh, uh, modernize or is it just a philosophical change in terms of the sector? Perhaps generational, I would call it a, uh, a leadership issue uh, first of all because there are more and more people who are intrinsically motivated to be involved in, in these themes, but uh, the trick is to get everybody on board. Right. So, so that I, presumably has to come from the top down. That is part of, uh, of the story, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think, uh, I fully agree, that is changing in the financial sector. So there's more and more uh, consciousness uh, and thinking about this, and I'm, of course, very glad that that is that, that is happening. Uh, yeah. I would even say that, you know, once the whole sector is is there, then and and triodos would be superfluous. Sorry? That would be actually a good thing, of course. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But we're not quite there yet. I think we're we, not we quite agree. there yet. But we, we've we've heard that. Can, can I say something? Yes, yeah, so absolutely. Cause, cause Go ahead. I, I I do think that there is definitely a generational aspect to this. Um, and so that's actually one of the. CEOs of the, the, the big Dutch banks uh, once explained to me that, that, that he finally really got the need to really uh, become sustainable when he was talking to these new people coming into his uh, bank, uh, the, the young talents, uh, and he was talking with them about, so what do you expect from life? Uh, and where it used to be like, well, you had a young person saying, well, actually, I want to become you. I want to be in your chair. Yeah. And now all these people were talking about, we want to make a contribution. We want to use the money for the good. Actually, the triodos story more or less right and that that's when he, he, he for for him it sort of like was a click like if i want to keep this bank floating uh, these are the people i need so we right. need to move in that direction um and so you see that that for the younger generation sustainability it's not a question uh it's it's, it's like an imperative they understand we need to go into that uh, that direction um but i see these older men and they uh, and it's understandable huh? they're, they're they're trained with certain models certain ways of thinking and they've been hugely successful in certain aspects doing that right so so you ask them quite a u-turn to uh, to make and that's 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 a very personal thing as well right yeah, so they, they in a sense they, they they feel like you're saying like hey you've done a lot wrong in 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 your life uh, and they, they 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 take that as a, as a personal as a personal thing We've heard the word holistic. You both of you have, have mentioned that a couple of times. Um, do you have, uh, Sander, an example of something you're working on right now which kind of embodies this holistic approach? And could, could you perhaps uh, sketch that for us? Yeah, so um, what we continuously think about is what are the, the transitions that we would like to enable. We've come to a, 
even within that holistic focus, uh, holistic view, we've uh, managed to pick out a few that grab our attention that we think we can play a role in. So that's obviously the energy transition yep. and the resources transition, so about the material uh, aspect of it. Food, a sustainable food uh, system and uh, individual well-being and the community, the social well-being as a community. Right, understood. So that's the basically the whole the whole picture that we're looking for. And I, you know, there are so many beautiful projects we've managed to uh, finance that tick a lot of those uh, boxes and even as Rens pointed out that those elements can uh, strengthen each other so uh, the example that comes to mind for me for example is uh, the it's it's here in Amsterdam it's the the former Slotewaard hospital it's a basically an older hospital that was well, maybe one hospital too many in the country. Right. So uh, it was it was shut down. Right? It was shut down, which is really like uh, a painful moment for Dutch society and the Dutch healthcare system. Right. Uh, but uh, they managed to transform that to a com- to a community center, basically for the for the surrounding area in Amsterdam which not only offers all types of healthcare, but also has a, a, a education in it. It has a, 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 we call it a breeding ground. For creative people, right? So all kind of functions, and it really, fu- uh, uh, and of course, it was made more sustainable in an energetic and material sense. So uh, there's a food place there that that offers biological food, so it ticks all those boxes. And the, right. and the strength in, in that is, if you ask me, is if you combine all those elements, they each get stronger. Right. Oh, excellent. Thanks a lot. Um, Rens, uh, what are you busy with right now? When we were having our discussions uh, prior to the podcast, you mentioned the word transition plans, which I'm sure resonates among the listeners who are working at banks at the moment. Yes, no, definitely. Because I think the transition plan, that's the, the, the big thing actually for all companies. So there's EU regulation uh, in preparation now, uh, which obliges all larger companies, including banks, um, to, uh, to put their transition plans on the table. I think essentially what it says is uh, we as a, as a world community have uh, uh, signed the Paris Agreement saying we want to limit climate change to 1.5 at least uh, try 1.5, but below 2 degrees. Um, uh, and that means something for how the economy needs to change, how emissions need to come, uh, come down. Um, now, that's the sort of like the, the, the big overall macro picture. Now, the big question, of course, is what does that mean for you and me and for different companies uh, in terms of what they're every day doing? Well, and that essentially is what a transition plan should uh, 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 more or less stipulate. Um, so how are you, because uh, every company, uh, every bank with its portfolio, therefore, has a certain emission uh, at the moment. Um, and that needs to be brought down. It needs to be brought down to zero in 2050. Um, and that means that it needs to be cut to, say, minus 50% in 2030. Um, and uh, the transition plan uh, uh, contains the measures that you're going to take to get there and the medium-term objectives also for 2025 and uh, and alike. Now, the interesting thing is that in the Netherlands, uh, three years ago, all the Dutch financial institutions, at least all the larger ones, uh, so both insurance companies, pension funds, uh, asset managers, banks, they have uh, signed the what they call the climate commitment, um, and that was part of a big 
uh, accord in the Netherlands where the government and all the companies, they, uh, they signed the climate accord saying we are going to move in line with this Paris agreement. Um, and uh, that meant for Dutch uh, financial institutions, they needed to publish their CO2 emissions. So they have been doing that, right. uh, have for at least for part of their portfolio. So that's one of the things, have for, for, for which parts are you going to publish those data and how uh, credible are they? But the most interesting thing is that uh, last year they needed to put their action plans on the table. Uh, so not only saying uh, uh, what is our, our current emissions, but also how but are, are you we going gonna to do? bring them down. And that's something that everybody is really struggling with. So maybe to give one example, uh, how you can, uh, as a bank, you have a certain uh, uh, emissions uh, and you can bring them down by simply uh, stopping the lending to a certain company. Uh, and then they go from your portfolio uh, and your emissions will be reduced. But the big question, of course, is what happens in the real world? Uh, yeah, they go to another bank. They go the, to another bank, yeah. maybe. So and the so problem is not fixed, actually. It's just no. moved, right? Yeah, so to, to give one example, a big Dutch bank uh, has been a frontrunner, uh, and they are very active in the fossil fuel uh, sectors, uh, so lots of uh, oil majors as clients. And uh, they have said, we see that uh, to um, reach the 1.5 degree scenario, we should, should not develop any more new oil, gas and coal um, uh, projects. Um, so we don't want to finance them anymore. Uh, so that's, that's a, it's, it's a very clear statement yep. and it's in line with the science, so to say, of climate. Yep. Uh, but the, then it becomes difficult because that bank, it has project finance. Well, with project finance, you know where the money goes. So, so they have been very clear saying we don't want to give project finance to new oil or gas uh, projects. They were not doing coal already for a couple of years. Um, but at the same time, they're also giving general loans to these oil companies. Um, and actually, the oil companies use those general loans also uh, to make new explorations and new developments. So what are you going to do as a financial institution? Are you going to stop at all with these uh, loans or are you going to engage with these companies? So those are the, the difficult questions that they're struggling with at the moment. It is very complex though, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it uh, is. It's not, there is not a simple answer to this. Can, can I give one more example? You may. It, it's, it's, it's the discussion in uh, with the Dutch pension funds. Right. Um, so uh, uh, they're, they're especially the bigger ones, they're quite environmentally conscious. Yep. Um, and uh, with regard to the oil majors, again, uh, they have chosen two very different pathways. So, so the biggest Dutch pension fund, uh, they've said like we are, we're going to exit completely from the oil and gas sector. So we, we're going to sell all our shares. Uh, while the second uh, uh, largest one um, says, no, actually we want to stay in there and we want to engage with them. We want to vote in their um, uh, annual uh, meetings with the, yep. the shareholders and we want to vote for good transition plans at those oil right. majors and maybe vote in uh, new people in the board who have a more green uh, view on the, on the world. And it's, and from the science, so that's one of the things that, that we look at. What, what do we know from science? What's the, the right course? Well, it's undecided. Yeah. Um, so so uh, we know one thing, this, this engagement that has been going on for a long time has not been very effective. Right. But it also has been done in a way that you could expect it not to be very effective. Yeah, they, but they uh, take their responsibility, at least, as being a shareholder. Whereas, as I gather from, from what I've heard, is that the first example you mentioned, where the pension fund, which is a huge pension fund in the Netherlands, sold off 
all its um, oil and gas or petrochemical interests, those were bought up by not terribly nice investors from the US um, with fewer, uh, shall we say, uh, moral backbone in terms of sustainability. Uh, they are far more looking at, 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 at earning money. Uh, so you could ask, what was the benefit of selling off that portfolio um, for the planet? That, that, that's the big question. Uh, but in defense of, uh, of that pension fund, they were saying we were having these discussions for a long time with the oil majors. They didn't react to us. Right. I, I, by the way, I I, I tend to think that they could have had more effective engagement, so that would have been my preference, that they would have been more clear with the oil majors. Well, what do we expect from you? As and a shareholder. As a shareholder, right. and what are we going to do if you don't uh, comply? Because right. I don't think they've, they've, they've made that point very clearly, so you need to make that, uh, put that on the table. But what they're saying, and they could be true, is that uh, uh, if more large pension funds would start doing this, then actually the cost of capital would really go up for, uh, for the oil majors, and they could make less uh, investments. And I, I do think what, 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 what surely has been very effective in the big Dutch pension funds stepping out of them is that they made the oil majors very clear, you need to start moving, because otherwise... Uh, pension funds will step out. So, so hopefully the engagement of the remaining pension funds will become more effective because they stepped out. Right, so they, they will go for this philosophical change, hopefully. But it, it is a, it is a, a, a very interesting uh, and dynamic phase in terms of, of, of finance at the moment. I'm, I'm moving on now to the dilemma section. So what we have is a dilemma, which I'm going to say in, form, in the form of a statement, which you can only answer yes or no to. I'll go to you first, Sander. Um, the statement is as follows. You must have data in order to create a positive impact in sustainable finance. Yes or no, Sander? I'm going with no here. No? No. Okay. Okay. I'll move to Rents. What's your answer? <laughs> well, I, I thought for for the sake of the discussion, I will say no. But then, then happily, I can say yes. Of course, you need data. I mean, how others can you do that? Well, excellent. We have a we have a we have a split in our te uh, in our discussion. Excellent. So perhaps I'll go to you first, Sandra, because you say no. You do not necessarily have to have data in order to create a positive impact in sustainable finance. Could you explain? Yes, I can. Um, so, in essence, um, if I ask you, uh, did you do anything last year, for example, to your house to make it more sustainable? Yep. I actually, well, I did actually. Did uh, uh, last two months ago, I had my um, uh, cavity wall insulated. Well, there you go. And did you have exact data on your CO2 emissions in, the, in that same house? Oh, no, no, I didn't. But it's a little bit warmer. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's the basic uh, reason why I said no, not necessarily. Of, of course, data is valuable, but it's not, it shouldn't s stop us from springing into action because we all know on a very basic level what needs to be done. Okay, Rens, you're affirmative in your uh, on this state. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, I think I'm I'm fully aligned with with Sander on this one. Uh, hey, in the sense that there is there is a common sense, uh, and there's so much you can do based on that. Um, uh, nevertheless, I said yes because, of course, data does help. It's essential uh, as well. 
Um, um, and there is a lot of data on sustainability. And it's not perfect, it's not complete. Uh, so that's definitely something that needs to be worked on. Um, but uh, what I do see is that it is often being used as an excuse not to start acting. Uh, so they say, they, then, then they say, well, we don't know exactly, so how can we start to act upon this? And, and the problem with, with sustainability is that we don't have much time. Uh, so that's why we, we need to use our more our common sense. We've had a lot of news headlines recently about uh, greenwashing in a number of industries, from, from like fast fashion to fossil fuels is an obvious one. Um, is it taking place in the financial world at the moment? Sander, are you, is, is Triodos Bank uh, greenwashing? No, absolutely not. <laughs> um... So n no, uh, and yes, it, I, I, it's taking place in the financial world and in society as a whole, I guess, because um, I think sustainability is seen more and more as a positive marketing approach, basically. Mm. Um, of course, we're making improvements on that, but um, I think... Uh, to, to name an example, in, in regulation um, uh, and in ESG methodology, for example, there's a lot of ways to, to do some cherry picking and paint a certain picture. And if you look at uh, regulation on how uh, investment funds show their sustainability, uh, all of the work and the proof lies with the funds who claim who are sustainable, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and funds who are not sustainable just say, well, it's uh, or medium sustainable. Yeah. Um, they, um, th there's not a lot of proof to do there. But the yeah, actual so question should be, so, and what are you doing about it? Yeah, what are you doing and what are you going to do? And, th and they can get away with just saying, well, we're not sustainable. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it. And point. that's acceptable. And that's acceptable. So I, that might be even a bigger problem than greenwashing, if you ask me. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Rens, I think you were mentioning uh, these transition plans. Is, is there greenwashing in there, and in your view? Well, there, there are not that many transition plans on the table yet. <laughs> They're still um, busy. They're struggling away. And so, 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 I mean, I mean the tr so transition plans have been put on the table by the oil majors, for instance. So the real businesses, they are putting those on the table. And, and there is a lot of greenwashing there. Uh, so they're, they're, they put a lot of assumptions uh, in their scenarios, uh, which, which are, according to the scientists, not credible at all. Um, but but they put them there nevertheless and they say well so this shows that we can keep on doing what we're doing and it will be very sustainable um, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that that also with the financial institutions if they come up with their transition plans uh, that that a lot that's in there uh, you can well call uh, greenwashing um, and of course the, the, the real question is how um, is, is it greenwashing on purpose or is it in a sense uh, incompetence to give the example um, uh, there is this, this this big bank and they, they, they are actually really a front runner in terms of putting the, the data on the table in terms of CO2 uh, emissions from their portfolio. Um, but they were, uh, and, and they, th they say we're on track, Paris aligned with our clients in automotive, in, 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 in all the big uh, CO2 emitting sectors. There was only one sector where they were off chart. Um, and that was in, in aviation. Um, and that had to do with the fact that they were looking at uh, 2021. 
um, uh, which was of course the corona year. Uh, so a lot of uh, airplanes, they, they stayed on the ground. So, so actually globally, that was the best year from a climate point of view around aviation. Right. Because, uh, overall emissions were 40% down. That was exactly what we needed to have. Um, but this bank is not looking at the overall emissions. They are looking at the relative emissions. So how much uh, CO2 is emitted per person flying. Um, and for the few planes that were still flying, there, they, there were very few people in that plane. So the relative emissions jumped up for those people. Right. And, and so that was a, then the only problem that came from their climate report that they were having. Well, actually, that was probably the only sector that was actually uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so in that sense, I think there are huge methodological problems. But what I found very interesting is that the people at the top, they don't seem to know about these kind of like problems that they're actually well having to solve in the coming uh, coming year so so yeah. that's the yeah it's perhaps the leadership that is missing that 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 Sander was mentioning earlier on yeah yes and i would like to add uh what we always talk about you know you can formulate goals and have data to move towards them but this sounds like uh, the risk there is in there that is hitting the target but missing the point so oh i like that one yeah hitting the target but missing the point what a great way to wind up i'm afraid we've sadly come to the end of this edition of the lending beam we hope you've enjoyed the discussion on the undeniably fascinating subject of sustainable finance i'd like to say thanks very much to both of our guests rens von tilburg yeah it was a pleasure and sander koeman Thank you. We could have talked for a lot longer, I believe. Thanks also to everyone behind the scenes at this wonderful seaside location. The sun has come out and the wind is whistling through the windmills as we uh, look over the, the dunes. Um, this podcast was brought to you by Findu, an end-to-end software-as-a-service lending platform. We hope you'll share, like, and thumbs up the lending bean. And don't forget to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platform. Go to the show notes if you'd like more information. Meanwhile... Stay safe and stay solvent. We hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Lending Beam.